Shut up, Jackson. What's up, everybody, and welcome into episode 43 of the We Like the Pain podcast, a show about two of the up-and-comers in the NFL. I like that. I like Positive spin today, Sam. It's a Friday. Let's do it. Really good. I'm one of your hosts, Oscar Barkas. And I'm your other host, Sam McFadden. Um, We talked about this before, but we have decided episode 43, this is our Pascal Siakam episode. Big ep. Um... And I like how that you put a positive spin on that thing. It's things are looking up for both of these franchises for the first time in a while. Those teams, of course, Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans, of course. Uh, our at is at Jags Texans Pod on Twitter. So if you're listening right now, you probably know that already. But mm-hmm. this is obvious. This is usually just about the best time of year for us because we aren't playing football anymore. That's over. We don't have to worry about any disappointments or shortcomings or anything like that. We can just look forward to next year. And as far as Houston Texans Twitter's concerned, next year's next year's a Super Bowl, basically, is the yeah. way people are talking. Sure is. Uh, <laughs> and I'll just spin right into our quick questions because mine Go for it. relates heavily to what you just said. What is realistically the earliest that you see each of these teams making a Super Bowl appearance. Okay, so first of all, I think the Jaguars are in a much better place to hit, get to a Super Bowl. Much I think better. that goes without saying, because the Texans have the second overall pick, and we almost did it this year. Just pushed the Chiefs. Almost, like, could have won that game. Which would have meant AFC Championship. Yeah. So, um, I think that the Jaguars have the best chance to do it um, faster, and I think that we could hit a Super Bowl. Frankly... If we're talking about realistic two years from now, if we're talking about what could happen, it could happen next year. I think realistic is, is, I would say two or three years is realistic. Let the defensive identity really set in. Trevor starts hitting his peak. Right. I'll but, say this. If, if, we've, if three years have passed and we have not hit a Super Bowl, that's disappointing. That's disappointing for me. Wow. And that's saying a lot because that's still just in the first couple of years of Trevor's career. But based on what I saw in the second half of this season, I think that the ceiling is there. Yeah, and if we don't, and if there. we don't take it, it won't be um, surprising if we don't hit that ceiling. But it will be disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's reasonable to have those expectations. I think, yeah, I think the end of three seasons from now, if you have not made, man, yeah, an appearance in the Super Bowl. It's a little disappointing. It's not the end of the world. I'm still weighing on this team, but I mean, it's going to work out like this. It's going to work next year. If we aren't in the playoffs and competitive in our game, even if we lose it, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I want to see a conference. I want to see a conference championship um, appearance in the next two years. That's what I want. That's fair. We don't have to win it necessarily, but like I, I look at this year and we pushed the Chiefs. We had yeah. a chance to win that game. Sure we were did. in that game. Sure if we had beaten the Chiefs, we go up against the Bengals. And if we if we beat the Chiefs, we can beat the Bengals. I'm not saying we would have. If you beat the Chiefs, you can beat any team in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. So um as far as the Texans go though, where I see them hitting a Super Bowl, I would say that that is not within realistic probabilities until four or five 
six years from now. I was going to say 10 because we do not have anything anywhere close to a semblance of a quarterback. Right. And you need a top lowest end, like 12 quarterback to make the Super Bowl these days. You need a good quarterback. I mean, that that's why I've been a little frustrated looking at Texans Twitter recently because, I mean, I'll, I'll bring up another comment that I – another post that we've talked bring about right already. Now. Bring we've it talked up. about already where it was like, Houston Texans go 9-8 and eight next year. Are we – is that what we expect or is that overachieving? Yeah. Was the tweet. And I will say the percentage of people said that, that this is what I expect was way too high. Way too high. Nine and eight next year for the Texans would be phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. They were the worst team in the league this year. Yes. They got the second pick, but they, I, I believe they were the worst team in the league this year for, for most of the year. There are so many holes on this team. Yeah. And – the biggest question mark of all is QB, and a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, they're drafting QB right now." We don't know. There's that. no guarantee. We don't know that they will, and there's no guarantee if they get Bryce Young or Cedar Stroud or whoever it is, Will Levis, most likely. Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Any of those guys? We. I am not. I am nowhere close to to sure that those guys are. The best uh, rate, good, the uh, best rate on first-round quarterbacks is like 50 it's to 60%. Stupid high. Stupid high. And by hitting, I mean they are a top-20 quarterback. Like, Mac Jones is probably a hit in terms of a first-round quarterback. We are a couple years removed from people from Zach Wilson being taken second overall. And people were excited about that, ecstatic about it. And here we are. So I, I don't wish that on the Texans by any means, but there's so many steps that have to go right, right away for you guys to compete for a Super Bowl in the next four or five years. It just most I likely will not happen. Years. The years. only reason the Jaguars are here is because Trevor is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Because he was ahead. Um, yeah, and that, that timeline is absolutely accelerated once we know who the quarterback is. Because tons of pieces on the Texans right now. That timeline could change as soon as next year. Yeah. If you guys get a get your rookie in the door and he does really well next year, okay, let's talk. But until we see any any sort of good quarterback play from the Texans, we need to pump the brakes. Yeah, I, I said this to Sam and Wyatt last night when Sam brought up that tweet. If the Texans go five and twelve next year, I'm happy. I think you should be. That's five and twelve with a good looking defense. The guys, who, the younger guys you have right now, especially Derek Stingley and um, Petrie, Jalen Petrie, play really well. That's a good season. And our quarter, we know who our quarterback is. Great season. That that Fantastic. is the number. That's we go five and twelve, and Davis Mills starts half the season. I'm kind of pissed still. Right. Anyway, um, like most football podcasts. Oh, no. oh, quick question. Oh, yeah. You I got a good question. Yeah, yeah. My quick question is a lot less serious than yours is the Super Bowl is about to happen. Everyone around the country and a lot of people around the world are going to be watching it at parties and stuff like that. The Super Bowl party is always a nice thing to do. Yeah. It's a long process, though. A lot of food, a lot of drinks. Oh yeah. Best Super Bowl snacks? Go. I'm just a dip guy and Sydney makes that buffalo oh, chicken dip. It's so good. It's so good. 
It's phenomenal. Uh, She's gonna make like a giant serving. She better. She she makes Sydney makes us every time we go over to Austin Sydney's apartment. She makes it for football. She makes a buffalo chicken dip, and it's delicious. And she makes a big portion of it, like a full tray, like a couple inches deep, a ton of it, and it's always gone. With like six, (laughs) it's always gone. So there's gonna this weekend. We'll need we'll need a double or a triple serving. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I agree with you. Dip is big. Yeah. Um, I almost never have this during the Super Bowl, but football in general, wings are always yeah. phenomenal. Pizza's kind of a step down. Yeah. But it's always good. But the dip, chips and dip. Always. Because queso. Josh is going to make queso, and his queso is really good. Beautiful. Because, okay, this might be a hot take, but for watching a game of football – Instead of like what we do on Sundays in the regular season, where we watch you know eight hours of it, <laughs> I I much prefer a ton of snacks to snack on throughout the entire thing rather than a hey here's a meal yeah at, for one part of the game. I'm way more in on the let's go snack the whole time. We're snacking for five hours exactly. Maybe. It's why yeah. if you've ever if you've ever been uh, in the position to be in like a box at a at a at a stadium oh. where they have those like they have all the food laid out and you just get to pick off of it. So it's so phenomenal. Nice. Yeah, so nice. You know, I, yeah, I like food so. Um, Jackson said he might make some dank dip too. Beautiful. We're going all in. See, baby. lots of dips. Lots of dips. Come That's in. a must. Uh, I'll say underrated, and this is probably the only time of the year that I eat this, pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. Okay, 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 okay. Pigs in a blanket, phenomenal, so first good. of all. Second of all, if this is the only time of the year that you eat pigs in a blanket, you're living your life wrong. Eat them more, my friend. Yeah. Go get a kolache in the morning somewhere. Oh, I eat kolaches. They're the same thing. Yeah. You don't have to make pigs in a blanket out of a Vienna sausage and a little pizza, you know. They yeah. don't have to be tiny. Kalachi's same thing, oh. and you better be eating kalachis. I, I've, I've told a lot oh. of people this. Sydney and I, it's every Sunday tradition. We get donuts. Mm-hmm. I drive over and get them while she's still asleep. While I'm there picking out my donuts, I get a jalapeno sausage kalachi. It's so good. Every Sunday. Oh, Start, it's, starts my day. It's so good. All um, right. Yeah, let's hop in. Let's get it. serious. Uh <laughs> The joke that I was about to make before I so rudely forgot that Sam had to ask a question still, very sorry, mm-hmm. was like every football podcast that's producing episodes this week, which pretty much all of them are, we're going to start with the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, it was, you know, I can't pretend like I have been extremely involved with the NBA for the last bunch of years, but it really does feel like more happened this year than usual. Oh, every year it gets better and better. And um, a couple of things before we get into the big, big stuff, like the Katie and stuff like that. Um, no one values a second round pick anymore, <laughs> which they're not that valuable. The hits are almost non-existent, but people were tra- like. Five or six teams traded at least four second-round picks in a, yep. in a trade. It was insane. Insane. We traded Josh Richardson yep. in a deal that got us four second-round picks. It was just very, very weird. Um, the Spurs have a billion second-round picks in the next couple of years. Sure just, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so but, Spurs, <laughs> we made our two big moves that everyone was – projecting to happen. Mm-hmm. Jakob Pertl, Josh Richardson, both 
unrestricted free agents this offseason. We traded Jakob to the Raptors for Kem Birch, a first and two seconds. Great deal. I think that's a good return for Jakob. Um, and then Josh Richardson, Devontae Graham, who's definitely a step down from Jay Rich, but still, you know, he'll, he'll play for us at least, at least a little bit. And four second rounders. So the Pirtle trade, it was more divisive than it should have been on Spurs Twitter. A lot of people were angry and stuff like that, but we got to remember Pirtle was an expiring contract. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and that Raptors pick is only top six protected. So I, I think it's I think it's a pretty much a guarantee, unless a bunch of injuries hit the Raptors, that that'll convey next year. And if it doesn't, we have it for the next three years. Yeah, we got it goes to 25 and 26. And 26. So I, We're going to get that pick. We're going to get that pick, and I hope it's next year because I don't think the Raptors are going to be great. Yeah. I think that'll be a lottery pick, um, nice. which would be fantastic, which is, you know, for Jakob, a lottery pick and Ken Birch and all that. That's a good, it's a good return. Yeah. Um, the Jay Rich contract, Devontae Graham, you're right, he's a bit of a step down, but he's younger. He's 27 or 28, and we're not that far removed from the seasons where he was actually playing really good ball for the Hornets. The problem with that is he's playing really good ball for the Hornets when there was literally no one else on the team, and it's always interesting to see if that – and it really, it really might be the case with Devontae Graham where it was purely because – Someone has to score points eventually. Someone has to shoot shots on bad teams. And maybe that was just a one-off and he's, that's not the player he is. But, I mean, we're not paying him crazy amounts of money. He's, he's on he's on a contract for $11 million. That's something we can pay more than anyone. We have, we're paying nobody any money right yeah. now. Um, Doug McDermott did not get moved. Yeah, he said that he wants to finish his career in San Antonio. Which is wild, and I don't know if we should want that. Does he fit with us long-term? I don't know. That's a whole discussion. But I'm but, happy. I'm happy. But I'm, happy I'm happy with the trade de- how the trade deadline ended. The bottom line is the Spurs have a ton of assets, a ton of picks over the next couple of years. And I'm very, I'm, you know, it's a very exciting time to be a Spurs fan, as crazy as it sounds, because we're so bad. Yeah. Because in the next three years, we have five or six first round picks. We have two, at least two first round picks in every draft from here to 2029. Our second one this year is the Charlotte pick, which is not going to convey. It'll, we'll get it next year. It has to be, what's the protections? Lottery. It's lottery protected? Yeah. I thought it was top 11 or top 12. Shoot, yeah, it's not going to convey. Definitely not conveying. Um, but other than that, we will have two first-round picks in every draft from here on out, which is cool. Uh, lots of young talent on the team. But this trade deadline was not about the Spurs. We were one of the few sellers. Yeah, it, we, were, we were a footnote. Did not, did not have a whole lot of assets to be thrown around. So it was just you know, get what we can get. And I think they, they did as well as they could there. Um, the big moves in one of the biggest trades I can remember, Kevin Durant traded to the Suns the night of the trade deadline overnight. Then the night of the trade deadline, uh, he was traded for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and four unprotected first-round picks. Which is massive. Massive. 
one of the biggest trades I've ever seen. Um, Bill Simmons on his podcast was talking about and ranked a bunch of the biggest trades he's ever seen, and he put it second wow. behind only the Paul George trade. And his reasoning was because Shea, Shea is so good. Yeah, Shea is. He, in, his, in his in his mind, he was like Shea is a top twelve guy in this league right now, plus all the picks, which is fair. I think that's a I think that's a good point, and I do agree that that's more because of how good he is. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, both really good players. Yeah. Really then, good players. And then they flipped Jay Crowder for five second-round picks. <laughs> More seconds oh my thrown around. Which um, is absurd. Wait, so what team is Jay Crowder on now? The Bucks. The Bucks. Maybe he'll actually play basketball. He will. No, he will for sure. I didn't understand why he was not playing. It, he why not does that make sense? That. He is not good enough Why for does that. he? Mm, but Anyway. Um, so Kevin Durant's the on the KB Suns. The KD trade to the Suns. That's insane, though. Nuts. If the Suns do not win a title. Yeah, but the argument that I've seen made and that I'm in complete agreement with, if you're going to trade all your picks, might as well be for a top 12 player of all time. Who's still disregarding injuries, and that's hard to do. KD has had a lot of injuries in the last couple years. Is a top five player in the league minimum. He was the MVP before he got hurt. He was averaging like 30 and seven. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my problem isn't with this trade alone. It's with the NBA as a whole. Cause we're every single year. I don't think it's going to get worse, but it keeps getting worse of the NBA. The way you win is you have to have a guy. You have to have that guy. Have to. And then go find. And so if you're trading, and so most teams don't draft that guy. And if they do, they don't keep him. Yeah. So you have to trade for that guy, and you trade your entire future for a window of three years because they're going to get upset in three years and leave. Yeah, it's hard. Because to get there, they're going to ruin the team's future. You're not going to be able to bring anything else in. So you have to win in that window before they leave. There's very few teams that are outside of that, outside of that like framework right now. Yeah. And so we're, what's going to happen when, you know, there's going to be get, it, go three years in the future. Once all this stuff has been happening for like six or seven years, all of these picks are going to be happening. There's going to be teams with like five first round picks. There's going to be like four teams with five first round picks. They're going to be trying to trade them because they can't sign all these guys. Yeah. And no one's going to want them because everyone's trying to trade them. They're worth nothing. Yeah. For a first round pick is becoming worth, worth less and less and less and less. With all these moves. With all these moves. And eventually we're going to get to a point where first-round pick is fucking – you can't trade it because everyone's trying to trade him. Yeah. You can get a first-round pick for nothing because someone just wants to get it off their books because they can't sign the guy. Yeah, that's going to be the Thunder like maybe this year. It's going to be it's gonna be a Thunder. It might happen to the Spurs. Jazz. Any of these teams that have – Pelicans. All these teams have and, tons. And at a certain – like to a certain extent you don't have – a lot of say as those teams because like the Spurs, this all started because Kawhi, we had to trade him. We didn't yeah. have a choice. If the Spurs had a choice, Kawhi would still be a spur. Yeah. A lot of these teams don't have a choice, but I, I don't know where the middle ground is that we need to get to where players can't just always yeah, at any point. Say, on that same podcast that Bill Simmons was talking about changing the length that contracts can be signed for. Maybe. Making it six instead of five. I, I don't know. I haven't listened. I haven't heard that part yet, so I don't. Um, that's the next one. But the the deal is, he was saying, player mobility is a good thing in terms of 
player freedom. Yes. Freedom of absolutely. choice. But there has to be a limit somewhere. Just like the uh, rest stuff that's going on, guys are missing 20 games out Look of the, the season. Clippers. Yeah. And he's, his argument is the season should be shorter. It should be 72 games instead of 82. Yeah, I think that would be fine. Also, I, listen, it, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place here because the player mobility, I, I want the players to be able to do what they want. And if it is not a good situation they're in, they should be able to leave that situation. Stuff like that. All that is great. But at the same time, look at the last couple of years in the NBA. Like, yeah. If you're a fan of a team and you get a good player, how can you have any expectation that that player is going to be around in three years? Man, I just got a Dorian Finney-Smith jersey for Christmas, thinking, like, there's no way the Mavs ship this guy. Yeah. If you draft a guy that's phenomenal, where's the guarantee that he's there in five years? Yeah. There isn't one. Yeah. That's a huge – that's a huge – we have a bunch of Mavericks fans. We're both Mavericks fans to a certain extent. That's a huge fear with Luka. Yeah. Huge fear. Because people – it's so easy to move teams. All they have to do is say, I'm not going to play. I'm I'm not – like, I'm leaving. And – Boom. And I, and I, and it's like, there's two parts of me that says they should be able to do that. And that I hate to see it. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. Speaking know. of maps, anyway. we, should, we should refocus. Yeah. Uh, the week before the trade deadline, they traded for Kyrie Irving. I just talked about Dorian Finney-Smith being He's shipped shit. out. Mm-hmm. Traded Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and their 2029 first round pick for... Kyrie and Marquise Morris, which, you know, whatever. Morris is a fine player. Fine He's wing fine. player. He wasn't getting minutes in Brooklyn. I, the Mavs have a lot less depth than Brooklyn. He'll get minutes but, with the Mavs. Yeah. He, he'll be useful in the Mavs. Um, His best aspect is that he's a dog, and he's not going to let everyone, anyone give Luke a shit. Fair. Which is a good thing. Yeah, got to have one of those guys. <clears throat> um, the big thing, I mean, the, the divisive thing with this trade is... There's a group. There's one group that says I don't want Kyrie near any team I'm rooting for ever. Another team that says Kyrie, you watch his game on Wednesday. He is so phenomenal at basketball when he is on the court and playing and all that stuff. So incredible. Yeah, it's worth it. Where do you stand? I'm right. If you're in the middle, if you're in the middle, which I feel like you are, and I kind of am to a certain extent. Let me force you to pick a side. Okay. I'm on the if talent you're side. You're on the talent side. side. Okay. Specifically so, for the Mavericks and all that. The Mavs okay. did not give up an exorbitant amount. They probably paid 90 cents on the dollar for him. So it wasn't like they way underpaid for him, but they also didn't overpay. Fair. Um, it's tough because he's a free agent this summer. He could do anything. He also, tomorrow, could be like, I don't feel like playing anymore. He's. The definitive guy. He's done before. That does that. But you're never going to have a chance to get an asset like Kyrie is for as little as the Mavs paid because he's a top 15 guy. Absolutely. He's incredible at basketball. Yes. You look over the – I mean, there were reports of four first-round picks offered to Brooklyn for Mikael Bridges, three for Og over over at the Raptors. And Og, is he worth three picks? OG. Sorry, OG, right? Is he worth three? I don't know. That's a ton. And so, I, bring, I bring that up to say. I bring that up to say. Um, players are 
like you have to you have to to get a guy like this you usually have to give up literally everything yeah gut the team gut the future of the team to get this guy and they didn't have to do that and that's great and there are reasons and they, they didn't do, have to do that. and they do have a backup plan that isn't great but it's a backup plan of if Kyrie were to leave they can free up max slot and try to try to get someone to come to come to to Dallas has that worked for the Mavericks in the past? No, but... They've also never had Luka before. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, they do have a little bit of an exit strategy if things go bad. I personally tend to be... I'm rooting for the Mavs also. I might be on more of the side of I wouldn't touch Kyrie with a 10-foot pole. Like, I... He's yeah. just... It's happened too, it happened too many times in the Nets... There were too many incidences where he was a problem for them when he didn't need to be, where I was just baffled, baffled by the decisions he makes when he decides to talk, talk and what he talks about. And then he comes in and has that presser before he even plays with the Mavericks where he's like, I felt dis- disrespected. I was the most selfless leader over there. I did where I was supposed to be there, the four seed. And where I just don't understand it's it. It's tough because normally when you've got players saying shit like that in the media, teams will wrap that up. They'll be like, hey, you are not getting to talk to the media for the rest of the season. The Mavs can't do that because if they do, Kyrie will quit on them. It's tough. It's just I, – I, I get the feeling and – I, and I don't – this all – all of our stuff comes with a grain of salt because we don't know what's going – what went on inside yeah, the Nets. We don't know what's all. going on inside the Mavericks. We don't. So maybe Kyrie is getting a tough shake. But it really kind of seems like he is so difficult to be around and people have to walk on eggshells around him. And something like – I'm not sure there's many people in the world that believe that in the next year and a half, year, whatever, if they re-sign all that stuff, in the next year or two, there isn't going to be some sort of major incident where he is off the court for a while yeah. and he is not around. Yeah. Because he, he wasn't available for the Nets. I would love to, I would love to talk to Kevin Durant. Get a couple of drinks in him, talk to him, be friends with him for a long time, and just be like, and just <laughs> talk to him about Kyrie and say, hey, what really happened? Yeah. Because none of us will ever know. We'll never know what really happened. No. But it really seems like we Kyrie will, is. I just, bet we will in like 20 years. I bet there's a, a tell all yeah. documentary, like 30 for 30, where even KD is on there. Joe Psy will be like the executive producer of that. Yeah, I just. The, the swinging factor for me and why I'm more on the the talent outweighs is Luca was supposedly the final sign-off on the yeah. trade. And you got to make that guy happy. Like we were just talking about, like you just ranted about, players will leave if you don't give them what they want, which is a bigger problem. I think... That's, that's a hierarchy pro- problem in the NBA. Yeah. I think the Mavericks had to do this trade. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. I think they would have been stupid and it makes not it better to. This year. I think it would have been stupid not to. Yeah. And I think they're very much in the realm of teams of we can beat any team. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. The problem is they have to win four series to get to the champ to win the championship. And that's tough when you have a defense that is going to be as bad as there theirs is. Yeah. But speaking of, I think my now like trade hangover realization is it sucks that the Kyrie trade had to happen first. Because after the Nets knew that KD was being traded, there's no way that they would have asked for Dorian Finney-Smith, especially considering all the wings that they got back in that deal. Yep. They're just team 6'8 guy. Yeah. And Dodo, there's a chance he could still be on the Mavericks, which would be 
I agree, but but I was thinking about it a lot because I was like, before, when they made the KD trade, I was like, they couldn't have known this was going with the mat when the mass happened. But my my question is, Dodo as a yeah. player, is he worth? What is he worth in a trade? Just him straight up for for picks. Let's say, is it one first round pick? Or yeah, is it probably more? one. Probably one. Okay, because I one think it might two, be more. One in two seconds, like Jakob got. I okay. think it's probably like the. So the Mavericks, could, I don't know if the Mavericks had the trade assets to turn both those players into picks. Yeah, I mean. They could have given up one more first. Yeah, which they were And then they're do. almost out of seconds. But the reason that the Nets asked for Dorian Finney-Smith is because Kevin Durant had respect for him. They realistically would have, knowing KD was leaving, taken Tim Hardaway Jr. for that. I don't think so. I think they would have said. I think they either would have still asked for Dodo because he's a good player that they can flip for other for other assets well, that the Mavs don't have. Him, if they could have flipped him, they would have done it at the trade deadline. Would they? They don't have to though because he's under contract for several yeah. years. They can yeah. flip him at the in, at, in the offseason. Fair enough. Or they would have said, "Hey, you have to give us Josh Green." Yeah, which Mavs fans do not want to do. You're not going to do that. So I think it still kind of worked out okay. I think either way, they had to give up either Dodo or Josh Green in that trade. See, I just think that the Nets wanted the pick. So they got Kyrie, or they got Dinwiddie, which is matching salary. Mm-hmm. They needed some other matching salary. Dodo happened to be that. Anyway, uh, the other, the third big trade of the trade deadline is the Lakers' big move. They traded Russ and one of their two remaining firsts to the Jazz. The Jazz sent Mike Conley to the Timberwolves, and the Lakers got D'Angelo Russell – Jared Vanderbilt and uh, Malik Beasley, and I think that that makes the Lakers better for sure. Oh, it absolutely M- makes does. the Timberwolves better. I think Mike Conley fits better with them than uh, D'Lo did. The Lakers are still not even in the play-in, and they're people, not that far out though. They're not. They're not. The they're whole not. West the, is the real. Entire West is really close. They're but like they're like a Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer. Wyatt told me this. Kevin O'Connor put the Lakers in finals contenders in his in his power rankings. Yeah, I don't see that. Deadline. I don't see that. And they're like twelve better teams minimum in the NBA than than the Lakers right now. Yeah, they are two and a half games outside of the plan right now. Um, they are. Let's see, they're four and a half, five uh, five and a half games outside of making the playoffs outright. It's not it's not like absurd amounts, but in 23, 25 games, that's not gonna happen. They're gonna have to make the plan. LeBron's gotta start playing games. Yeah, I know. Um and A D has not looked like himself since coming back from the it. players they got in these trades are good. For sure. They're just I don't know. I think the best bit of business that went on as part of this trade is that 27 first that they traded immediately converts into a second round pick if it does not convey. So they can trade their 29 first still. Yeah. Um, my, my whole thing is they won the bubble championship. Yeah. And the team that they had then versus the team that they had now, the team they had then was probably better. It's probably, yeah. it's probably a little bit better, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a crazy not, difference. No. My my thing is, I think the rest of the NBA has gotten a lot just better. so much more talented. And, and I don't KD's think, in the West, and now. I don't think they're even close to the top teams. No. Would you put the Lakers in? 
Would you say that they could they they could be anyone in a seven game series? No, I wouldn't either. No, and 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 if I can't even say that about them, I'm not going to say they're a contender. Because likely they're a playoff playing team. You're yeah. a playing team. You end up if you win out, you, you win. Let's say both games because they're the nine or ten seed. They win both games. They have to play the Nuggets or the Grizzlies or let's say the Suns go on a big run. Sure, they're not winning any of those series. But you have to appease LeBron. You have LeBron, to. You have it's to. their only choice right Speaking now. Speaking of, LeBron broke the all-time points record uh, past Kareem, which is something that my dad still tells me. Five, ten years ago, never thought that would ever happen. Absolutely. It's really cool, man. Let me ask you an impossible question. Three duos. You got to pick which one you want. Luka and Kyrie. Okay. The, the big discussion is Luka and Kyrie. Um KD and Devin Booker. Those, yeah. That's one that's being talked about a ton right now. Yeah. LeBron and AD. Fully healthy. Fully healthy. This year? Fully healthy this year. Fully healthy. KD and Book. Interesting. Kevin Durant went healthy. Still. Take the Suns out of it. Oh, then the Mavs for sure. Luke and Kyrie over AD for and sure. LeBron. Fully Not healthy. Not even close. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I probably would too, to be to be honest with you, but I think it's it was close for me. LeBron, it's close-ish. LeBron still is in the top eight guys, top no. six guys that you want on your team in a playoff series Absolutely. because regular season he slowed down a l- at least a little bit. I mean, he fucking had thirty-eight points yeah. when he had to break the record. Spirit Luke is up there too. I mean, he's but there. He's Luke has passed him. Absolutely, Luke has passed him. Uh, his playoff performances over the last three years have been like nothing else. Okay. Because the question is, uh, when I'm comparing the Lakers to the Mavericks, and I'm sure Wyatt is shuddering right now that I'm even comparing the two. <laughs> um, Luke and Kyrie, LeBron and AD, I'd probably take Luke and Kyrie, but it's kind of close for me. Okay. Especially in playoffs, because LeBron's going to be playing, he's going to play his ass off, and they're healthy, they're close to me. And then you look at the rest of their teams, and I've been ragging on the Dallas Mavericks because their depth is not there because they just traded a lot of it just now. Poor and so yeah. really they're you know, they're gonna be frisky this year, but hopefully they rebuild that and go great next year. But the Lakers just built up all their depth. And have, they do have pretty good depth on that really team now. now. And the Mavericks have but almost none. You were saying duos. No, I know. I know. I know. And so now the next question is the Lakers versus the Mavericks in a playoff series this year. It's still the Mavericks, but that's money. closer. But that's okay. closer. I agree. I think it would actually be an interesting, a really interesting playoff series. Really interesting. It can't happen. It won't. I mean, well... I'm trying to figure out which teams are kind of in the same realm, and it, it, it's not going to happen. I don't think the, the Lakers are going to get in the top two. I don't think the Lakers are that far off from where like the Mavericks are. I think they're a step down. Yeah, but I think that series would be really interesting. The the difference is the Mavs are fifth in the West right now, and the Lakers are twelfth. And that is big even difference. though there's not that many games between them, it's like three and a half or four. No, it's it's yeah five five something like that. It's not that far. That's too big a gap between yeah. now and the playoffs, especially right. considering the health of those guys. Okay. Last NBA <laughs> trade deadline exercise. We've rattled on about this, but there's not there's not that many uh, teams to talk about in terms of football later, so mm-hmm. we can spend extra time here. 
Let's do like a three round favorite trade draft trades that we have not talked about yet. So no Spurs, none of the big three. Let me pull up um, all the trades from the trade deadline real quick, just so I don't forget anything. Who's picking first? You or me? It was my idea, so you go. Okay. Um, out of deals that we did not talk about yet, can I just mention the Clippers? Not don't pick a team. It's yeah. got to be okay. one one okay. that hard because I do like what the Clippers did. I do too. Um. All right. First thing that comes to mind actually is the Pistons. Okay. They got James Wiseman. Yeah. For Sadiq Bay, basically. Yeah. Sadiq Bay, good player. Great player. He was not going to stay with the Pistons. No. And he's, he's an had un- one year left. Is he on next year? Yeah. Okay. Really cheap. But, but he's not going to stay with the Pistons. Probably. And they are not going to compete next year. Maybe. Cade's back. That's that's a huge swing. They aren't going to compete. For the title next year. No, no. But they they'll, be, might, they'll be a plan. They might make year. a plan. They'll make a plan. They'll, they'll make a plan push. James Wiseman, granted, I mean, he's probably a bust. Yeah. But there's a big opportunity there. Yeah. I'm really happy if James Wiseman is on I the Spurs. I wish he was on the Spurs. My, my biggest qualm with that trade is the Pistons have like nine centers. And they have Jalen Duran, who's yeah. great. I agree. I agree. I would not have made that move as the Pistons. I I like the buy low on Wiseman. I'm in on the buy low on James Wiseman. I just you're a bad team. You can afford to put James Wiseman out on the court for for actual NBA minutes and see what you have. I would rather those minutes go to Jalen Duran, who they just drafted yeah. right outside the lottery. That's fair. Um and who's younger. But I like the, the the idea of the trade, trading an asset that's not going to be there anymore for a buy low on the number two overall pick from a few years ago. Yeah. You mentioned the Clippers. I think my favorite minor-ish move of the deadline is trading uh, two seconds for Bones Highland. Another trade that the Spurs probably should have made. Yeah. Um, especially given that we have a billion second-round picks. Bones Highland, I... He's a good player. He's a young player, and nobody wants him. I don't understand. Yeah, he sort of forced his way out of Denver, which is always a bad look for a guy that's in their second year in the league, right? Second? Yeah. Uh, and he, like, fits into the, like, prospect, you know, long-term development arc of, like, a Jordan Clarkson. He's, like, a shot chucker, scorer, not much else. Mm-hmm. but the Clippers could use some of that. That's what they wanted John Wall to be for them, and he was not that. He's washed no, at this point. John Wall's going back to Houston. He's going to be cut uh, <laughs> for sure. Oh, but I, just, I, like, I like the Clippers landing Bones. I think and, Bones is a good player. And then the Nuggets used those seconds to go get Thomas Bryant, which yeah. I also like. Fantastic. Um, next thing that I'll bring up, Oh, I'm going to say the Clippers getting Eric Gordon. 
Eric Gordon, who I think is a really good player still, yeah, can shoot a three ball, can play defense. I think he's a good 3 and D player. And they got him for almost nothing. They gave up John Wall. They gave up Luke Kennard, which is the big – I sort of disagree. Luke, Losing out on Luke Kennard is tough. I, I think that – I think I agree with you, but I think since Luke Kennard got to the Clippers, they just did not use him well. Yeah, they've never I think used him well. to him – to, I think Luke Kennard is worth more to every other team than the Clippers. And they just needed him to be gone for someone that might be better for them. I'll make they my, needed to move I'll on. make my next pick, uh, and we can just talk about the same trade. I like the Grizzlies landing Luke Kennard. I do too. For basically nothing. Almost nothing. They gave up Danny Green. Yeah, which was just the salary. Just and they, they gave up some and picks. Or second round like picks that. or yeah. something. Yeah. They gave up nothing for him. And I agree with you. Luke Kennard is great, and I think people should have been trying to trade the Clippers for him because they were not using him, right? And he's yeah. worth more than they ha- they were using him for. He's had such a weird career, man. Was on the Pistons when they were, like, bad. Yep. Uh, then was traded. Oh, who was he traded for to end up on the Clippers? Anyway. Very little. Um, now he gets to play in Memphis, and they need three-point shooting and offensive creation. And he'll he'll figure into that rotation. He'll get sure. minutes. Yeah, I I like it. I like so you, it. I, I agree with you. Like it on both the Clippers and the Clippers Grizzlies. just need to get rid of him because they weren't. He wasn't doing well with yeah. them. And he, I just went getting Eric Gordon out of it. I think that he made it clear that he no longer wanted to be in Houston with his play of late. Um, but for the last couple of years, he's been a good, good player. Third round, last pick. There's not a lot of good trades left, like really great trades left. Well, yeah, we talked about all the good trades, but I think there's some value still on the board. Hmm. You're about to lose your pick like the Ravens did. Yeah, I might, I might have to. I'm not that in love with anything else. I, uh, I'll say this: I like the Bucks trading for Jay Crowder. That was going to be my pick. I like them trading for yeah. trading nothing for him because those second um, rounders and Serge Ibaka and George Hill. Crowder's a good player. Still, he hasn't played, but losing Jordan Nwora kind of hurts, but. They'll be okay. He was not going to play in the playoffs. Anymore. And they lost – I mean, in the offseason, they lost um, P.J. Tucker. Yep. And they have been looking for that guy. They aren't the same player, but Jay Crowder is absolutely going to fill that role for them in the playoffs of, all right, you're out there to play defense. That is your main objective is to play hard defense every time they're down, down there. You'll be tasked with picking up some of the best players when, they, when you need to. And I think he's good at that. I think he's perfectly fine for that. Um, I'm not sure he'll do as well as PJ Tucker did last year, but they gave him nothing for him. Yeah. Last pick of the draft. Last pick of the draft. Got to go with the plum dog. The Clippers. Clippers did well at the trade deadline. They did well. Traded uh, pretty much nothing. It was, I think, Reggie Jackson, who the, the Hornets are going to wave for Mason Plumley. Um, Ivaka Zubats, who's the Clippers' starting center, great player, uh, has not held up. He he can't play more than 28 minutes a game, and Plumlee can fill in for the rest. 
He's good. He's good. As he, much as it sucks to watch him play, he's, he's so not weird. fun to watch. But there are some really funny compilations of him dribbling the ball up the court. They'll they'll let him run the break sometimes, mm-hmm. and he's a good ball handler. He can like do spin moves and shit. And he's like seven foot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, honorable mentions: Gary Payton going back to Golden State. I, the Golden State's involvement in the trade deadline kind of weird, but they, them getting GP two. I think it's one of those cases where I think Gary Payton the second is worth way, is worth way more to the Warriors than any other team. Yeah, yep. It's I'm in. It's fun. Yep. Uh, and then I like the Sixers essentially turning Matisse Thybulle into Jalen McDaniels. He's a free agent this year, though. Yeah, I mean. They need to win the title this year. Yeah. They need to at least make the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And Tybal was hurting them so much on offense. Jalen McDaniels isn't a great shooter, but he's, he's a willing shooter. He's better. He will shoot. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, which is what that team needed. And about the Spurs getting Deadman for literally like actually a second round pick. No, they get they got Deadman and a second round pick for zero for cash. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. Pretty good. That. Yeah. We just re-signed Gorgie Dang. I saw that. We like his vet- veteran presence. Anyway, we can move off of this. Yeah, but... football time. Oh. It is the Super Bowl in two days. Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. There's one last thing we have to go over. And I've got, oh, yeah. I've got an update. I've got an update on my over-unders, guys. How are we uh, doing? The bets I made in the NBA for team over-unders for the regular season. Um, it's getting a little hot in here. Uh-oh. So, uh, I'll just run you th- real quick yeah, through the teams. Straight through. Timberwolves, I bet over 48 and a half. Not that's not hitting happen. right now. Right, right now, they're projected to hit uh, 42 and a half. Yeah, that's so not going to happen. So, that's a, that's a bust. Pelicans over 44 and a half. Right now, they're projected to win 43 and a half. It's very close. Need Zion to come back. I need Zion to come back. So, that one's, a, that one's, that one's a very much on the edge. I'll be I'd watching Give it a games. question mark. Um, Blazers under 39 and a half right now they're projected for 40 <laughs> so that's they, a they watching sold. every game they sold at the trade deadline they, they did not make as many moves as some teams sold Josh Hart and got um, Matisse Thibel Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish and Cam Reddish um, Wizards under 35 and a half they're at 36 right now projected for 36 so that's coming down to it Lakers under 46 and a half. That's going to hit right now. They're projected for 36 and a half. Yeah. Games. That's it. That's fine. Even if they went on a tear, they're going to win like 40 games. Um, 76ers over 50 and a half right now. They're projected for 53. So that's, that's, I'd say that's pretty, pretty good. comfortable. Yeah. It's about as comfortable as it gets on this list. Um, the King. Oh, except for this one, the Kings over 33 and a oh, half. They're projected. Already. They have 30, 31 yeah. wins right now. Yeah. If they win two more, I'm good. So that's a hit. Um, Magic over 26 and a half. Ooh. They're at 23 wins right now. They oh, will they'll, win. they'll win four more games. They will hit that. The Nuggets over 50 and a half. They're projected for 55.7. So that's feeling good. I think that hit, yeah. And then the Raptors over 46 and a half. That is not going to hit. Not, not even, even close. close. So we've got... Just to recap, we've got five that are either definitely or probably going to hit. 
Mailman. Sorry, guys. <laughs> scary. scary. Five that are definitely or at least probably going to hit. Two that are definite no's. And then three that are <laughs> very, very much good. on the edge. That's pretty good. But my last update, I was eight and two. Yeah. And it felt good on those eight. And things have gone wrong. So Things have gone south. We're doing all right. I calculated the money a while back, and if I hit on six of the bets, like I make more money than I lost. Um, I'd say you. you so you, you odds can, are pretty good right now that I'm yeah. gonna that I'm gonna make some money on the season. But let's just all hope that uh, that the Wizards lose, the Blazers lose, and the Pelicans win. Let's just put some yeah, put some positives for going. that. Football time. Football time. Got to start with the most important news of the week, which is Russell Wilson's charity was just uh, put under investigation because it was found that they have only used 23 cents on every dollar they received for charitable purposes. Specifically, they spent much more on employee salaries in the last two years than they've spent on charitable donations. Which, last time I checked, a charity is not supposed to be doing. No, like, even for uh, nonprofit organizations, you're allowed to pay employees. You, you, you're, I mean, there's you certain employees to, that you, you have, have to pay. pay. Yeah, it's a full-time job. Not that much. The CEO is making $300,000, which is more than you're supposed to make working for a nonprofit. I know that. Yuck. But... I, this was brought up to me not that long recently. Russell Wilson won Man of the Year, Walter Brayton Man of the Year in 2020, in large part because of this foundation. People, there's all there's this there's this um, feeling around the league, or has been for a long time, that Russell Wilson is this good guy, great guy, nice yeah. guy, bit of a rube, bit of a weirdo, but he's a good guy. Maybe that's not the case. Man. I don't know. You don't. We don't know. But this stuff is these these numbers about them get them paying out their employees over these donations and all that stuff. That's those are facts. We know that is real. They were not paying donations out like like they said they were, like they're supposed to be doing, and all that stuff. Yeah, there's definitely a this percentage is stuff. you got to hit in the show doc. I just made the made the bullet point. Russell Wilson equals Brett Favre? Question mark. Maybe. You know, he had such a terrible season. He doesn't have that many fans left. Now this comes out. Dude, Russ, I mean. Man. Really bad stuff. Too bad. So sad. Let's move on to coach hirings. It's yeah. been pretty busy the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, always is. Obviously. A um, couple of coaches have been hired already. D'Amico Ryans to the Texans, Woo! who we'll talk about uh, with the Texans. Um, Shad Payton to the Broncos. They made a trade for him. And Frank Reich to the Panthers. Um, besides the D'Amico stuff, which we'll talk about with the Texans, the Frank Reich, Sean Payton, anything stick out to you from those two head coaches? Frank Reich, kind of a boring hire, but I do like the idea of giving him another shot where hopefully they have a defined quarterback. We're two years removed from me thinking Frank Reich is a great coach. Yeah. That's it. One season spoiled that. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, he was a large part of the reason that Carson Wentz had that MVP run and they turned uh, Nick Foles into a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Absolutely. Um, I think I think that's a good hire for the Panthers. Stability, 
Matt Rule obviously didn't work out. Go for someone that's like on the opposite side, older, very NFL experienced. I think we're in the same boat that I would have probably hired the interim head coach to be the head coach. I would have instead of yeah, Frank Reich. But this the, is fun. the locker room loves Steve Wilkes, and now he's the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, yep. which is awesome. Good job. Uh, that's why the it's a good way to get that. That's a good way to get a head coaching job. Yeah, and that's why the Niners stay good, and the rest of the league sucks. Yep. Um, Sean Payton, I like it. They sunk more picks into making Russell Wilson the starting quarterback, um, but they sort of had to. Kind of have to. And Sean Payton's a wizard, so. We've had lots of discussions recently about who, what coaches are even worth a first-round pick. Yeah. And I have, and my point has been, outside of Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, I'm not sure I'm giving up a first-round Probably Sean McVay. Guy wants to retire. I don't know if I trade for one for him now, but well, he's given the commitment to stay for a couple more years. Yeah. But so maybe, but there aren't that many people in the world that I give up a first for. And the Broncos were backed into this. Broncos kind of had to. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I think I think I like it for the Broncos specifically. Had other teams made that move, I would have liked it a lot less. Yeah. The only other team with a job open that I would have maybe liked was the Cardinals. Yeah. See if yeah. he can make Kyler actually become like a, I don't know, live up to his potential. Uh, but the Cardinals and Colts jobs are still open, I think. So the Colts announced that they narrowed down their coaching search this morning. Yep. They didn't say who was left. They just said the, the candidates that were cut from the cycle. I think that they may try and news dump hiring Jeff Saturday tomorrow or on Sunday. I think that they may just be like, it's the Super Bowl. By the way, Jeff Saturday is sticking around. I don't know how I feel about that. That's as a as a Texans fan, as a as a Jaguars fan, huge like great, great. Let's do it. it. As just like a common sense, like I don't know, man. If I was a Colts fan and they hired him, I would be livid with Jim Irsay because literally everyone else in the organization is. Crossed off Saturday's name by now. Um, Cardinals are in serious discussions with Lou Anaromo, who's the uh, Bengals defensive coordinator. Love that. They also announced that they wouldn't be making a decision until after the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, that's fine. So who are they looking at on the Eagles? and Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, for sure. Yeah, so Maybe Eric Bieniemy, but... What happened to Bieniemy? People just stopped talking about him as a head coaching candidate. Sometimes happens that way. And maybe he was just like, I don't think that I'd be very good at that. I'd, I'd oh, like to. You never know. know. You never know. know. He has pulled himself out of several interviews yeah. throughout the years. Um, some like he did with the Texans. Can't really blame him for. <laughs> but maybe he's like, like we were just talking about Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He should just stay a defensive coordinator. We know that he's not a good head coach. Maybe the enemy is like, I would rather be in Kansas City with Andy Reid for the rest of my career if I can. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It's interesting to me that he just he was the candidate for a year and now yeah. he's gone. He's no one talking. No one's talking about him. Yeah. 
It's just interesting. Um, should we do Texans, Jags stuff, and then hit the Super Bowl last? Or should yes. we do Okay. We should do Super Bowl last. I'll go through Jaguars real quick because more things have happened to the Texans in the last couple weeks than yeah. the Jaguars. Jags just made the playoffs. Um, Jaguars made the playoffs. One we, game. We came one of the best comebacks I've ever seen against the Chargers. Great. We played the Chiefs well. Yep. Almost – we anyone should be able to know, be able to recognize we could have won that game. We were close to winning that game, and it did not happen. For how much? So the reason the Chiefs won is Travis Kelsey went nuclear. For how much the Jags have invested into linebackers in the last year, the Jags probably should have won that game. Agreed. Agreed. But it is Travis Kelsey, the it best tight end of all time. So it is Travis Kelsey. I'm going to pump the brakes there. Um, we could have won that game, though. Yeah. And we are at a point in time where we, like this season, we could have beaten anybody. Like the Mavericks, we talked about they can beat anybody, but they it'd be tough to win four series. We could beat anyone, but it's tough to win four playoff games to get that Super Bowl win. I think we're in a similar position. Um, not much has happened. We are retaining our defensive coordinator. We blocked any interviews for him. We won. I'm in. I think our defense took a big jump this year. Yeah. Tyson Campbell. I mean, we had a lot of players that really took big leaps. So I'm in on that. But other than that, not much has happened. Yeah. We're getting Calvin Ridley back. We're getting Calvin Ridley next year. Huge. Massive. Huge. This is your sign, fantasy wise, to say Christian Kirk is going to be a good fantasy play next year. So try to acquire him while people are going all in on Calvin Ridley, who's going to be great, but Calvin, but Christian Kirk is still going to be good for fantasy, so go get him. Um, I'm just excited. I, it's just like I, there's nothing I can do right now. There's nothing really happening right now. We're not making changes. We're not hiring anybody really. It's just good vibes right now. Yeah. If, if, if anyone is listening to this, Trevor Lawrence wrote an article for Fansided. No, no, no. no. Players Tribune. Players Tribune. Yeah. Players Tribune that you guys should go read, even if you're not a Jaguars fan. It's just really good. It's really well-written. Good vibes. And it's good vibes, and I love that, man. Yeah. And that's kind of I think So y'all spent, like, the most guaranteed money in free agency ever this past offseason. Got yep. sort of clowned for it. Turned out to be great. Like, yep. almost every investment it worked. worked. Good sign for Trent Baalke. Kind of cool. I am way more in on Trent than I was last year. I was way out on Trent Baalke. Way out. And it's he's surprised the crap out of me. I think that this draft sort of makes or breaks the Jags dynasty outlook. <laughs> yeah. Like the long term outlook. Sure. I think regardless of how the draft goes, y'all are gonna be good this year and next. But you I'll- start having to draft well to keep players on good contracts which we haven't done in the past but i will say most of our almost all of our players especially all of our starters are on are are under contract yeah at least through the next year yeah so the the team you see next year is going to be very similar very similar to what you saw this year it'll be the first rounder which is like what 27th or 28th no, 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 26, 26. 26. Oh, yeah, because you won a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, 26. I think that that will be a big, probably the only starter to come out of this draft. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple of holes. It depends on who we draft to the back of the second. That could be a starter. But I agree with you that the first-round pick is the only one who's probably But the rest of the guys will fill in the depth for the next, 
hopefully four to five years plus. Right. And so we're, this is, this this is a really good. young team to yeah. most of the positions. So keep it that you know, way. It's, yeah, let's keep it that way. But tell me about the Texans. That's more exciting. Hired D'Amico Ryans, uh, maybe the most positive day in Texans history. Not even joking. <laughs> I talked joking. to Oscar about this. I had a problem with it, but he explained it to me, and it kind of makes sense. We have won four playoff games, and every single one of them was against back. No, we beat Josh Allen when he was still sort of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, have never – I mean, drafting Deshaun Watson after Deshaun's rookie year is probably the most positive – the Texans outlook has ever been. Yep. And that crumbled so quickly. Um, went through two years of hell. This is like the first positive note that I can remember in a long time. Former Texan, the most sought after candidate this job cycle. You couldn't write a better like narrative yeah. for a head coach. And he's never been a head coach anywhere before. On any level. He was a captain from the second year he was in the NFL mm-hmm. until he retired, became a defensive coordinator very quickly. As far as leadership goes, there's no question yeah. with him. As a leader, phenomenal. Yeah. That's the good that's the good thing. The biggest qualm, and Sam, I'm sure you were gonna bring this up, we tend to value offensive head coach more. But in the Texans case, that doesn't matter. We we have almost zero building blocks anywhere. Hire the best guy and we'll figure it out. Um, leadership is the number one thing I value in a head coach because D'Amico hasn't even decided if he's going to call the defense yet. He, he's very much in the air about that. So then it's just more about getting the guys to play well, and he seems to be that guy. So I'm, I'm very excited about that hire. I think it is the best hire that the Texans could have possibly made. I want to preface what I'm about to say with that couple of things just to be the antithesis to what everything you said. And I am, I'm a, I'm positive about this hire. A couple of things though. I, th- I feel that Texans fans are getting ahead of themselves, no. way ahead of themselves. <laughs> People are acting as if D'Amico Ryan's is, is worth eight wins in the NFL. How many players are worth eight wins in the NFL? Not that many. Also, we talked about the Texans timeline earlier, the Super Bowl timeline. And if the Texans are competing for a Super Bowl in five, six years or 10 years, I don't think D'Amico's the head coach by then. Really? Maybe he is. It's just how many coaches get 10 years for the team? None. Almost none. I'm not going to pretend like I know how to scout for coaches or scout for anything for that matter. D'Amico's never been a head coach at any level. He's a good leader. But you have to be more than a good leader to be a head coach, I think. I think it's more yeah. – like leadership is probably the biggest part of it, which is why I love yeah. how good a leader it is. But there's more to it than just being a good leader. And I just need – I. I am not willing to say that D'Amico Ryans is the best thing to happen to the Texans or anything like that until we're through a season with him coaching. Yeah. I, let me let me walk you through worst case scenario here. He's fired in two years. Is he's got scenario. a longer leash than that. He's got a longer leash than that. Texans, Texans draft in the top five the next two years. He's still the head coach? Yes. Wow. 
Yeah. It's Probably. Like, we were the worst team in the league. I know. I know. But my, 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 I just – D'Amico is falling into a bad category of the Brock Purdy's of the world who I should be a huge fan of because why wouldn't I be underdog, outperforming, all that stuff. Like people think great things of him. But people think so highly of him, and I think he's under where that is. And so naturally I just start to pull down on him. You know you're, this. You're, I do. I, yeah. This is what I do. Yeah, you're on Texans Twitter too much. If you think people think too highly of him, well, you know, we have we on our Jags Texans yeah. Twitter. There's a lot of Texans. There's a lot yeah, of Texans. It's gotten ridiculous. It's the Twitter is ridiculous. And Twitter is its own thing. I am genuinely happy about the hire. I think it's the best thing. You mentioned the offensive coach thing, and I stand by. You should. You generally you should want a offensive head coach. That way you have that system. But not forever. every year. Every year, that's not always the option. That's yeah. always the best option. And he was the best option, and I applaud the Texans for finally making a head coach hire that I feel like could be around for many for multiple years other, instead of hiring a guy who I knew was going to be hired fired the next within year. a year. Yeah. That's yeah. a big difference, and Texans should be super happy about that. My – my strong reaction to you saying if the Texans compete for a Super Bowl at some point in the next 10 years, D'Amico's not the guy. Because if D'Amico's not the guy, I think our window extends even longer. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. If happens. he doesn't work out, we are bad for a lot longer than if he does. Here's what I think happens. I think D'Amico makes the team better. And you guys get to a point. What I'm picturing is you guys get better to a point where you're not the worst team in the league. But you're not really a, a, like, I'm really worried about them in the playoffs team. And they're like, this isn't good enough. Fire him, hire a new guy, and then you build off those building blocks and, and go to the If Super we Bowl. make the playoffs in D'Amico's first three years as a head coach, he will be extended until the end of time. I agree. I agree with that. But if I had to put money on whether or not the the Texans are going to are going to make the playoffs in the next three years, I would put it against for sure. Yeah, for sure. And after three years, if you guys are still not very good, I think it's yeah. three years, maybe. You I still think years. I still think two years. One of the worst five teams in the league. Cal's thinking about it. He's he becomes a hot. He's team. heavily doesn't considered. Matter. Doesn't matter. He hasn't even coached a game yet. Um, I'm still. Maybe there have been more positive stretches. There for sure have been more positive stretches in Texans history. Right. Because, again, D'Amico hasn't coached a game yet. The fact that almost the entirety of NFL media was saying, no way anyone wants to go to Houston, especially a black coach, especially the most, the highest-ranked candidate on the yep. board. And he ended up picking the Texans and told all the other teams no before he even signed with the Texans is the most positive moment maybe ever. It's a huge win. It's a huge win. And I want to end it by saying, again, I really like the hire. Yeah. I do. I really do. And I want the Texans to win. That's another thing. Like, I, I'm – sometimes on this podcast, one of us will take a, will take a position and argue for something that's bad for one of these teams and stuff like that. Genuinely, both of us root for each other's teams. Oh, like, I root for the Texans, I root for the Jaguars, all that stuff. For I sure. really love this hire, and I hope they're in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't hope they win the. I don't hope they win the division because I hope it's the Jaguars. But I hope they win. I hope they're in the playoffs, and I and I'm happy to see them finally doing something good, which I cannot say a lot about in the last couple of years. So cannot. this is a massive one. Yeah. 
Are there any other things going on with the Texans right yeah, now? Yeah, really quick. We've just spent a long time on that. So we hired our defensive coordinator today. I had never heard of this guy, which is usually <laughs> no one not, has. Usually no one not has. a great sign. Uh, his name is uh, Matt Burke or Berkey. He has previous defensive uh, coordinator experience in Miami with Adam Gase, which I guess was just washed away from everyone's brains. Um, has been in the NFL for a long time, which I think is really valuable. Good sign. For D'Amico, who has not. He has not been a coach for very long. Helps to have some experience at his right side. Um, Ian Rappaport tweeted, like, he's known as the most interesting man in the world. Every summer he goes and hikes Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow. So. Why? <laughs> that's kind of nuts. It'd be I, I, First question is why? Why? Why would you hike the same thing every year? Yeah, why not hike different know. things? He may do year? the thing with uh, Chris Long's foundation, Water Boys, where they uh, go. Maybe. But I have no idea. I'd never heard of this guy. Uh, but I've, I'm positive about the hire. I don't really know anything about his system, which is important considering, like I said, D'Amico may not call plays, but. I think they'll put an idea together. My my inclination is that D'Amico, even if he says I'm not calling plays, will have a huge at, at input on the defensive side of the ball. On Has the to. system. Has on to. the system. And so the defensive coordinator in general matters less to me than the OC does. Oh, for sure. Like way less. So this, I'm much happier having a, de- a defensive coordinator that I didn't know anything about than having an offensive coordinator yes. that I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Yeah. That's it. Yes. The offensive coordinator is really important for this team. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and we'll, we're about to get to it. But the defensive coordinator, like this guy, Matt Burke, I don't know anything about him. I am not worried about the defense on the Texans. No. Really at all. Which is cool. Yeah, which is awesome. Which is so, <laughs> which is such a nice feeling. Yeah. It's such Have a nice one feeling. side of the ball taken care of. Yeah. Like, you got, you need more, you need, there's holes on that defense that you need to fill. But, like, as, as far as, like, scheme and what you guys are doing, being able to say, I have confidence in that, that's something... <sighs> That's, I've not had that in a that while. That means a lot. Um, speaking of offense, we have spoken to Cliff Kingsbury today, which is really interesting. Kind of out of nowhere. So I, the first notification I got on my phone this morning was a Twitter notification from Oscar that just said, uh, <laughs> and it was in response to Cliff Kingsbury's being talked to by the Texans for the OC position. Not for the OC position. They oh. just said for a position on the staff. Which, okay, fair. Yes, that is what it said. I assume it's the OC position. It's either the OC or like assistant head coach. Something, right. Something of that nature. Kind of surprising because Cliff, like a month ago, was like, yeah, I'm taking off to Thailand all Talk to y'all next coaching cycle. I was talking to Connor today. We were driving somewhere and, was, and we were talking about this tweet. And he was like, "Is that a is that a bad uh or is that a good uh or what?" And I in my response was, "I think that's a. I never even considered this as a possibility. Yep. What is happening right yep. now? Because uh, this is out of nowhere, out of nowhere. And I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it either. Dalton DM'd me the tweet and was like, "What the fuck? I don't like this." Which is a fair reaction, yeah. considering how poorly every one of his teams has performed since the beginning of time. Yep. The difference is, he's been a head coach at all of those stops. Tech, the Cardinals, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Well, he wasn't the head coach there, right? He was the head coach, yeah. 
Was he really? Yeah. Before, uh... or no, he wasn't. No, no he didn't even yeah. go to Oklahoma. I'm thinking of a different guy. Yeah. No. But the two main stops were Tech and Arizona. The difference is he was the head coach, and their defenses always sucked. And for the most part, their offenses were pretty good. They had some disappointing years, especially considering the talent they had there for a while. I think if his only task is drawing up an offense, that could be completely different. But I agree. I'm, I'm, there are a lot of question marks. I'm there. on the negative side of Cliff Kingsbury only because of his relationship with Kyler Murray. Yeah. That, that relationship was really bad. Yeah. And, if, and you guys are about to draft QB, most likely. You need someone who is going to – less than drawing up the offense, developing that QB yeah. is the biggest thing oh, for the Texans. Bigger than D'Amico. By far. Yeah. Is someone to develop that guy, and I don't think Cliff is the guy. The only thing holding me back from that is he had a great relationship with Patrick Mahomes, has a pretty good relationship with Baker – actually has a pretty good relationship with Bryce Young, which is interesting. It may have just been a Kyler thing. Maybe. But Maybe. I don't know that I want to put my trust into that. I would be, I would be a lot more confident if, if a team was hiring him for an OC position that had a guy who's been really good in the league for a couple of, for a bunch of years. Even if it's like the Pats bringing him in to be Mac Jones's. Let me say this. I would I would be more I would be feeling better about him as an OC if if the Dallas Cowboys yeah. Got him. Yeah. Because they've had Dak, and Dak is comfortable and confident in the yeah. position. A rookie coming in, I just worry. I worry about that. Well, if you've seen Texans Twitter, a lot of them don't want it to be a rookie. They want us to sign Derek Carr. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, that's if you, know, you don't if you don't draft a QB in the, with that second overall pick, it's a mistake. Please, at, at the very least, try to be bad so you can Caleb Williams next year. See, Go for that. I, I don't think that there's a chance that that happens. I don't either. That's the problem. I think you have to draft the QB here. With D'Amico, we're going to win four to f- six games, probably minimum. And with all of our guys getting better, and if it's if we're not drafting a guy, we're bringing in like Jimmy G or Derek Carr, and that, those, that guy's going to win us too many games. That's what I keep telling Dalton, like, have to draft a quarterback because if that guy doesn't work out, then we'll just draft another one would, next year. I, believe me, I would love. I think. I think actually, the best, the the best idea, like everything goes your way, situation is you draft what you believe is the best defender here and draft Caleb Williams next year. But I don't think you'll be able to draft him next yeah. year, which is the problem. If yeah. you if I if I if you could say for certain we'll get Caleb Williams next year, oh, in that's the best case. In. But you can't do it. Like yeah. I really don't think they'll be bad enough yeah. to. It's hard. It's hard it's to hard. be this bad. Yeah. Um, when yeah. you have competent coaching staffs. Um, Should we talk about the Chiefs Niners? Yeah. I did want to go in on Texans Jags for a while because this will likely be our last episode for a good while until we get into draft season. Draft season for sure, yeah. Which is two months away. Mm-hmm. Um, Chiefs Niners, Chiefs Eagles, Chiefs Eagles. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, I said no. I put it in the show dog. I thought we were going to talk about the the last game that was played. Chiefs Eagles, though, it's the battle of best quarterback versus best team. Yeah, that is really what it comes down to. There's all there's all sorts of nuance and stuff like that, and there are people that are more qualified than we are talking about all that stuff. I'm sure about scheme and all this stuff. 
but it really boils down to best quarterback versus best team. Yep. And I was talking with Wyatt the other day and I was mentioning how, and I've been thinking about this a ton recently about how I, back when the chiefs played the bucks in the Super Bowl, it was best quarterback versus best team. And I chose best quarterback. I did too. I think a lot of people did pick the chiefs, even though there were a lot of problems with that team and a, and a, lot, of signs, a lot of signs, especially offensive versus defensive line that told us the bucks should be the pick bucks. Killed them. Killed them. Yeah. 30 to nine. Right. So Something I was, like that. And so I was telling Wyatt this time I'm going best team. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's just go into the game spread. Pick them. I'll let you have it. You just gave your pick. You're taking the Eagles, I'm even taking, giving a point and a half. Eagles minus one point five. I'll take the Eagles, and I think that's the. I think that is the smart decision. Is to is to if you're putting money, if I'm putting money on it, it's to put money on the Eagles to win, not not the Chiefs. And it's it's, it's so hard. It's informed a lot by the decision I made a couple of years ago that I got screwed over because the best quarterback lost to the best team. And now I'm I'm rooting for the best team to beat the best quarterback, and if that if that goes right, then that'll be my rule. But if, if it goes wrong, we'll see. Um, Patrick Mahomes is not 100. percent I think he'll be a lot healthier. I think he'll be close. I don't think he'll be 100. percent He played last game. I don't think he was 100. percent He was definitely not, but he, he played, played well. a great game and then got two weeks off. I know, I know. I just I made a rule with myself. After the first time I saw him play in the AFC Championship game, which was the year the Pats beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, it was it was Patrick Mahomes' first AFC Championship. That Chris Jones offsides, or no, D Ford offsides. D Ford, yeah. I said I will never count this guy out again, which is a weird thing to say considering they lost that game. If the Chiefs had been given the ball in overtime, they probably win that game. I know. I just I I will never t- go against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs ever again until he starts showing signs of slowing down, which may not be for like fifteen years. I know. I just think so. Chris Jones, yeah. best player on defense for the Chiefs. Yeah, ton of pressure, ton of sacks, all that stuff. He's great. I think the Eagles are one, are maybe the most well equipped to deal with that. In the Absolutely, league. they have the best offensive line in the league. Not to mention a scrambling quarterback that if he needs to leave the pocket, he's fine. Yeah. Um, and also they have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith down there that and can Dallas improvise. That, that that when they don't have to improvise, they're great. But if they have to improvise, do let's have better, those guys yeah, improvise. Better in football. So my problem is the Chiefs' defense versus the Eagles' offense. How are they stopping it? Because the Eagles' defense versus the Chiefs' offense, I think they also have. A, I think the defense also has a trouble stopping them. But I think, but the Eagles' defense is way better than the Chiefs' is. Like across the board, I think they're. I think they are at least one step, one whole like step above the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs are playing a lot of rookies, a ton, which for all season was like, wow, this is awesome. These guys are also yeah. good. We'll see if it counts in the biggest moment. And they've also taken the approach that almost no other really great team has taken in the last couple of years. Of we don't have a bona fide. Great receiver. We don't. We definitely don't have a bona fide great receiver duo. We have a bunch of players who are pretty good. Juju yeah, is good. MBS is good. The difference is Travis they have, Kelsey. They have Travis Kelsey, right? Yeah. I just 
I can hard. see it, I can see it in my head of those receivers do nothing. You can let of, of let let Kelsey have two hundred yards and two touchdowns. The receivers get nothing, and you can live with two touchdowns and two hundred yards. I don't know. Two hundred yards. The Chiefs are going to run the ball well. It's the big differentiator in my mind. The Eagles are not a good run defense. For as good as that defense is, one of the better in the NFL, they're not a good run defense, especially, I heard Mina Kimes talk about this on her podcast, especially against outside zone, which is what the Chiefs do. I think there's a good chance that both Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon have like 100 total yards each. And if those guys each get 100 yards and you give Kelsey, let's say, 150 and two touchdowns, that's a game. It's tough. It's, there's a reason I was saying I'm surprised that the line has not moved. And you said, well, they set a good line. They picked the better team in the Eagles. The line not moving in either direction means that betters are having a hard time and it's just money is going in on both sides. This is going to be a fucking awesome game. I really hope so. It's going to be a fucking awesome game. Unless Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are both coming in with decently significant injuries that they've had time to recover from, but they're still being hampered by them a little bit. Unless one of them gets hurt. One of them aggravates that injury. This game, I think my favorite bet, we just talked about the line. I think my favorite bet's the over. For as good as both defenses are and have been all year, these are probably the two best offenses in football left. Maybe the Niners. Niners get into that conversation. You brought Purdy, so I'm taking them out of that conversation. But I don't know. I don't know. I want to say I really hope the Chiefs win. I don't want to see the Eagles win another Super Bowl. Fuck that. But – I just think they are better in so many positions. Yeah. I, again, referring to Mina Kimes, she and Mike Golick talked about the weird divide that's here, which is the Chiefs have the three best players in this game. Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones. Then the Eagles probably have like four through 15. Yeah. It's tough. Offensive linemen don't get their due. The biggest differentiator between this Super Bowl and the one that you talked about, Chiefs-Bucks, is that the Chiefs O-line in that game was one of the five worst in football at that point in the season. And this game is one of the best. Yeah, I, I, I actually I do think that a lot of this game is going to come down to that matchup right there. Chiefs O-line versus Eagles defensive line. Can Hassan Raddick and Fletcher Cox and all those guys get home or yeah. not? Yeah. And if they can, I think the Eagles win this game for sure. Yeah. And if they cannot at all, the Chiefs definitely win it. And it's probably going to be somewhere in the between. It's going to be like somewhere that. in between. And I just, it's it's really tough. But if I'm going to put money on this game, I have to do it on the Eagles. That's fair. I I I probably I, wouldn't put money on the line. I'm almost definitely going to put money on this game, and I'm going to put it on the Eagles, which is fine for me personally because. Eagles lose, I lose that money. At least the Eagles fucking lost the Super Bowl. Great. (laughs) If they win, the Eagles lost, damn it. But at least I won the money. Yeah. So it kind of works out for me as a better personally. But the reason this line hasn't moved is because everyone's having the problem we're having. The discussion we're having right now. It's just, and it's going to be, it's it's really nice having Super Bowls of of this caliber where we don't know how the game's going to go. Hopefully it goes great. Hopefully it's not a blowout one way or the other. That would be really disappointing. But you have teams that are so 
close close enough to where you were struggling so hard to figure it out. It's not always the case. Can we talk about how blessed that we are that in the last 10 years of football viewership, because 10 is about – I can remember every game in the last 10 years. The only bad Super Bowl was the Pats-Rams one. Broncos-Carolina. But even then, it was it was a bad game. It was a blowout, just like Bucks-Chiefs was. But it was so exciting because – Broncos Carolina, that defense dominated them. Yeah, I didn't, I was, I didn't like that game. Really? Nah, nah it was a letdown. And then Grant, I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big NFL fan at that point, but I, I was rooting for the Broncos so hard, and Von Miller had like the best game of his life in that game. Yeah. Um. So that's why that game was so exciting. And then Chiefs Bucks, which was a blowout. Patrick Mahomes was a literal madman in that game. Agreed. No, we've been really, 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 really lucky. blessed. It's been working out really well, and I hope it continues. It's going to be such a good game. Anyway, um, I guess we have to do this at some point. <laughs> you want to give us the update on our team draft? It's the end of the season. Yeah, what are we looking at? the The Super Bowl winner gets five points, but even if the Chiefs win, which is Sam's team, and we both had a Super Bowl contestant. Uh, I had the Eagles. Sam had the Chiefs. Even if the Chiefs win, I have won. I'm up 15 points. Feels good. The big difference was whether or not the 49ers Eagles made the championship. That would have made all the difference in the world. Yeah. If the Niners had won that game, I think Sam Sam would have won. But all I got to say is, I don't know how you did it, but you cheated. Yeah. And I'll be back stronger than ever next year. Keep saying it. Uh, one redeeming thing for you before the playoffs, you had this exact Super Bowl matchup. You said Kansas City Eagles from the start. I had Kansas City Niners, so I'll I'll take the L there. I know what I'm talking about. People <laughs> should listen to me more. That's all I gotta say. Well, they just listened to us for an hour and a half. This so. is our longest podcast in a long time. Maybe this season. But potentially ever. Um, no, that's not true. Have we done like a two-hour podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um, it's an exciting time in sports. and The fact Bill Simmons was anti the trade deadline being the same week at the Super Bowl because he said he felt like he spent too much time on basketball, didn't, didn't study up on the Super Bowl. As someone, I mean, we're not really in media, so it doesn't matter that we didn't study up as much. Yeah. So fun getting to talk about both topics. Yeah, I think it's great. I think when you, the more you can overlap these sports, the better. Um, it just, I mean, we, me and Oscar could talk about this stuff for days. Actually, days, just a hundred hours in a row, we could talk about this stuff, going back and forth about everything. Um, and the more sports we have, the more ammo we have to talk about that, the better. That's where yeah. I stand. Um, Speaking of last week of the NFL. They were off. Sad. Yeah, well, like like I said Ugh. earlier, we'll we'll talk about the draft and then free agency, but it, it, podcasts will be sporadic until August, to say the least. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's an exciting time for both these teams, which I I'd be interested to go back to the beginning of the season and listen to us talk about the teams and what we say. 
I think that we both were pretty confident that we'd be feeling good now. Go back to the middle of the season and ask us. Because I know I was down. You we were, had lost like six in a row, and I was... There's a podcast in here somewhere that you could find of me saying, we're not making the playoffs. Oh, several. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, NBA is really about to pick up. This is the time of the year that people start paying attention, like most people start paying attention. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've been watching all season because right. we're degenerates, but um, fun time to be a sports fan. Really good time. Closing but, thoughts? I mean, I ain't got much, man. I uh, All I got to say is the same thing I say every once in a while. Check in on the people you care about. Super Bowl's about to happen. We're about to have parties, stuff like that. Good times. Um, but... You know, check it on the people you love. Check it on your family. Call them if you can instead of texting them. That always makes a difference. Yeah, and I'll close this out by saying thank you, Sammy, for being a great co-host. Always a good time. Thank you, Wyatt, for coming in and making slurp noises in the kitchen while we close out here. Uh, I tried to be quiet. (laughs) I don't think it hurt. I don't think the mic hurt you. I just wanted to say it. Um, who's a funny? Thank you, Matt Burke. Thank you, Matt Burke. <laughs> That's a new name. Honestly, a name a name that'll go down in history. <laughs> uh, it may be Berkey. We still don't know. Uh, and yeah, thank sure. you to our listeners, as always, for coming in and hating yourselves with us. We will see you in a while, a couple months. It'll... Yeah, see you, boys.